This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Were you kicking around in 1952, or were you still a gleam in your daddy's eyes? Well, if you're old enough to remember 1952, then these facts will ring a bell. Three out of five families owned a car. Two out of three families now had a telephone. And one in three homes had a television. Fast food restaurants were growing in popularity, and many more cars in America were now fitted with automatic transmissions. And gas? Well, that cost 25 cents per gallon. The first Chevrolet Corvette prototype was completed during December of 52. At first, the vehicle was not very popular, but it did gain popularity in 1955 when it was given a V8 engine and again in 61 when the body was completely redesigned. The popular Mr. Potato Head toy is first sold during May of 1952. Did you own one of those? Remember, the toy consisted of little plastic goofy faces and body pieces meant to be placed on real vegetables. And in fact, it became the first toy to be advertised on television. Elizabeth II becomes Queen of England and the United Kingdom after the death of her father, King George VI, February the 6th of that year. Elizabeth was just 27 years of age and had been traveling in Kenya with her husband, Prince Philip, at the time. Her coronation was held in June of the following year to allow the proper amount of time for mourning, and it was the first coronation of a British monarch to be broadcast on television. And finally, the iconic musical film Singing in the Rain premiered at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, March the 27th of 52. The film starred Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor. The MGM produced film went on to be nominated for Best Music and Best Actress at the Academy Awards and was only a moderate box office success. Since its release, it had been consistently ranked as one of the best American films ever made. And on radio, one of the most popular shows was Mr. District Attorney. And tonight, we hear the episode first broadcast in 1952, entitled Blackmail Murder. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as District Attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens.
And now, here is our star, David Bryan, as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. One crime often breeds another, frequently a far deadlier offense. A simple burglary may end in murder, as in the case you're about to hear. on my desk, but he made me give him the key to the drawer. I'll give it open. Why'd he fire you anyway? I had the recorder hidden under the patient's couch. He happened to hear it this morning. Boom, that was it. How'd you keep him from yelling for the cops? I put on an act, bawled my eyes out, swore I'd just put it there for the first time. Can't you get it open? I got it. Dr. Jameson. Lucky I forgot something and came back. More tapes. I can see I was wrong when I didn't call the police this morning. I'll rectify that mistake right now. Give me that phone. Paul, you knocked him through the window. Grab up those tapes and let's get out of here. goes the body, Chief. Nine stories. That's a long way to fall, Harrington. <laughs> sure is. Has the family been notified? Yeah, Pat, we took care of it. Wife and three kids. Have you noticed his desk drawer? Hmm. Yeah, pride open. Oh, I found this on the floor beneath it. Yeah. Label from a can of recording tape. I wouldn't want to call it suicide, would you? Oh, not with this setup. Anyone else around? Mm-hmm. The janitor. He couldn't come up with a thing. Gave him the name of the office nurse, Pauline Colton. But he didn't know her address. Well, why don't you see if there's an address book on the doctor's desk? Yeah, that's a good idea. The lab boys get any prints off this drawer? Yeah, I just picked up something. Oh, yeah. Here's the doctor's book. Now, let's see, uh, Colton. Ah, here it is. Pauline Colton, 1436 Carrington Street, Apartment 12. Evergreen, 34221. Shall I call her? Uh, no, why not ride out and see her? Let's go. Now, listen, chick, you got some real juicy stuff on these tapes. But I'm going to argue with you about something. Your idea of what you're going to do with it just uh, just don't make sense. What do I have to do, draw pictures? 
This Charles Francis Palmer is going to give me $500 for the recording of what her husband said during his psychoanalysis. I told you that. Okay, okay. She figures it'll help her get a divorce from the guy, but this thing's worth a lot more than 500 bucks. We got to make it pay off, chick. We got to make it pay off big. How? We ain't going to let Mrs. Charles Francis Palmer hear this tape. We're going to let her husband listen to it. Or another recording of it. I won't do it, Bob. Blackmail's too risky. What are you talking about? We knocked the dock out the window, didn't we? That's homicide. Don't say that, Bolt. It was an accident. Try to tell the cops it was an accident. Well, they don't know we had anything to do with it. I don't care. We're going to get a lot more than 500 bucks out of this, and we're going to do it my way. No, Bolt. This is my deal. We're doing it my way. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I'm going to burn these other tapes. Hey, give me those. Oh, oh, let go of you. Well, that'll teach you not to argue with me, chick. I'm a guy that likes his own way. Where are you going with those? I'm taking them with me. When you get some sense in your head, call me. You know the number. Fourteen thirty-six. Hey, here it is, Chief. Oh. Apartment twelve. Must be on the first floor. Yes. Mm, locked. Looks like we'll have to press the buzzer. I'll get it. Hope she's home. Oh, you never know. Uh, we're police officers, Miss Colton. We have to talk to you. There we are. Miss Colton? Yes, I'm Miss Colton, but I don't understand this. You work for Dr. Leland Jameson? Yes. Dr. Jameson was killed in his office this evening. We're pretty sure he was pushed through the window. We thought you might be able to help us on a few things. Pushed through a window? Oh, that's right. We're pretty sure it was murder. Well, but we, we'd better not talk out here. Will you come in? Well, thank you. Well, incidentally, I'm Paul Garrett, district attorney. This is Mr. Harrington, my assistant. Gosh, I... I don't know what to say. Dr. Jameson dead. I... I'm numb. Are you hurt, Miss Colton? You've got blood on your face. That's a bad bruise. Oh, no, no. I, it's really nothing. I I fell against the chair just now. Oh, in here? Yes, as I was running for the buzzer. No, I'm very sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll be all right. Uh, Miss Colton, do you mind if we look through your apartment? Why would you want to do that? Well, I must tell you, we can't do this without your permission. That is, not without a warrant. And you don't have a warrant? Not at the moment. You don't need one. I don't know what you expect to find, but go ahead and look. Harrington? Okay, Chief. I just don't get this. You were Dr. Jameson's nurse, weren't you, Miss Colton? Well, that's right. Nurse and receptionist. Well, how long have you worked for him? Well, let's see. About four months. Dr. Jameson was a psychiatrist. Yes. 
I imagine he did quite a lot of psychoanalysis. Oh, yes, he was in private practice. Uh, was it his custom to use a tape recorder during these sessions with his patients? Oh, no. But he did use a tape recorder. Well, yes, but only for dictating letters and notes that he wanted typed out. These letters and notes that Dr. Jameson dictated on the recorder, was it your job to type them up? Yes, it was. And where did you keep the tapes? In my desk. Locked up? Yes. Did you keep the key to the drawer? I usually left it on the desk in case Dr. Jameson wanted to refer to anything. Well, there's nothing here, Chief. Okay, Harrington. Miss Colton, I appreciate your cooperation. Well, that's perfectly all right. I've got nothing to hide. Well, we might want to talk to you again. Anytime. I, uh, I tried not to disturb anything, Miss. Oh, well, that's all right. Good night, Miss Colton. Good night. Real nice and ladylike, Chief. And she acted as if she wanted to help us. But there's, there's one thing that bothers me. She said she cut her face by falling against a chair. And the only chairs she had in the room were all overstuffed. Right. So she was telling a lie. Why? Well, we'll put a tail on her. And tomorrow morning, I'd like you to call on several other psychiatrists in that building. Find out if they use tape recorders and psychoanalysis. Now get on it first thing. dinner yet. I thought you might like to take me out to eat. I thought we weren't getting along. We weren't, until the district attorney came to see me a little while ago. D.A., huh? Did he get anything out of you? Not a thing. But he had a man with him who searched the place. I'd had a bad time if they'd have found those tapes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you would. Looks like I saved you from something, don't it, Chick? You saved me from plenty, Bolt. Hmm. From now on, I'm with you. I think you're going to be good luck for me. Well, that's the way to talk. How about dinner? Sure. Sure, we'll go any way you say. First, I want to make a phone call. Huh? Who are you going to call, Bo? The well-known president of our Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Charles Francis Palmer. I'm going to set up a date with him for tomorrow. Chief gone to lunch yet? Oh, no. He's still in his office, Harrington. Oh, good. Well, I talked to three psychiatrists, Chief. What do they have to say? They don't use recorders for psychoanalysis. Patients wouldn't like it. So, the girl told the truth about that. All right. She moved out of her apartment last evening and left no forwarding address. Hey, that makes it tougher. Did anything come out of those fingerprints? Yeah, nothing. They were all blurred up. Hmm. Which means we don't have a single lead on this case. We've got to find one, Harrington. Dr. Jameson had some of the most prominent people in town as patients. I've got a hunch the thing is going to develop into an extortion setup. Unless we can stop it, this town is going to have its own reign of terror.
now back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A psychiatrist had been murdered in his office, knocked through a window to the street nine floors below. Tapes from a recording machine had been taken from the office, and we felt sure they were going to be used for blackmail. And the crooks proved us right in a hurry. They went to work without losing a bit of time. I accomplished what I had to do and started toward my next appointment. This, of course, made it necessary to take extra precaution. <laughs> well, Mr. Palmer? I never agreed to let anything like this be recorded. How did you get this tape? What difference does it make? We got it and we got copies of it. I suppose you expect me to pay you something to keep this quiet. You're lucky, Mr. Palmer. Your wife wants that tape. She wants to use it to get a divorce. This is fiendish. With that for evidence, she'd make a real monkey out of you in court. When her lawyers got through, you wouldn't have enough left to pay the tax on a movie ticket. <laughs> Dirty blackmailer! Okay, mister, you're asking for it? Oh! Now, you better stay down there, Palmer. You'll really get hurt. You can't do this to me. You can't do this to me. Oh! Take it easy. You'll kill him. Oh! I'm just knocking some sense into him. Harrington, Miss Miller. Chief there? Oh, yes, he is. Just a minute. Oh, hi. Chief, I'm down at Central Station in Captain Mars' office. They just got a report here I thought you should know about. Charles Francis Palmer was beaten up at his home this morning. Hey, wasn't his name on that list of Dr. Jameson's patients? Oh, that's right. Who turned in the report? Uh, Palmer's sister. She's indignant and wants something done about it. But Palmer refuses to cooperate. Won't sign a complaint or make a statement. Maybe we'd better have a talk with him. Do you have his address? Uh-huh. 114 Park Circle. Oh, meet me out there. I'll leave right away. Okay, Chief. There's a spot. Right in front of the bank, too. Well, that's a loading zone, Bold. Who cares? the cop comes along. So we get a ticket. Shut up. Here comes Palmer. I've been waiting for you. You got the dough? I'll have to talk to you about that. What's there to talk about? All I want's the dough. I've got 5000 here. The deal is 10 I can't get that much. Go back there and get the rest of it. Tell you I can't. I'm not as wealthy as you think. Oh, look, Palmer. Wait a I... second, Bolt. Give me the 5000 Mr. Palmer. That'll be all right. Thanks. Here. You're dealing with me, Palmer. I don't care what she says. Go on, Mr. Palmer. I'll talk to him. <laughs> yes. All right. What are you trying to do? Be the mastermind again? We're pushing him too far, Bolt. We got 5000 out of Palmer. Let's start working on the other people on our list. Hmm. Oh, 
Hello, Garrett. My sister said you wanted to see me. Oh, thanks for coming down. I hope you're not here just because of this accident of mine. Your sister insists that you were beaten up. She said she heard part of it and saw a man leaving the house. I don't care what she said. I hope you'll forgive me, but I have other things to take care of. All right, Pamela. It means we'll have to find some other way to handle the situation, but one way or another, we'll handle it. I'm sure you will. Good day, Garrett. That's a frightened man, Chief. Nothing freezes people up like blackmail. Yes, you're right. Well, let's get back to the office. Where are we going now, Bold? I'm looking for a phone booth so I can make a call. They can't trace you when you make a call that way. If you're going to be that careful, why don't you play it smart all the way? What do you mean? Going to Palmer's house yesterday. We're going to walk right into a trap. Yeah, yeah, I thought of that. But how else are you going to do it? You've got to let him hear the tape. Why not mail him a piece of the tape? Hey. <laughs> Kid, you're a real brain. Then we meet him somewhere. That's it. Be a lot safer. Sure, sure would. And that's the way we'll do it from now on. Attorney in, please. Yes, he is. Who shall I say is calling? I'm Miss Foy. Oh, yes. Just a moment. Yes, Miss Miller. Miss Foy's here to see you, Mr. Garrett. Oh, I'll have her come right in. Yes, sir. Would you go in, Miss Foy? Thank you. Mr. Garrett. Won't you sit down, Miss Foy? Thank you. I came in as you suggested, Mr. Garrett. Trouble? Yes, I... A man called me on the phone last night. He, he told me he was mailing me a piece of tape recording. I got it this morning. I'm frightened, Mr. Garrett. I... <laughs> Miss Foy, if it makes you feel better to have a good cry, you go right ahead. But if you're willing to help us on this case, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Really think so? What did the man tell you to do? Well, I, I'm supposed to meet him this evening at the entrance to Carroll Park. What kind of an arrangement did he make for recognizing you? I'm to carry a folded newspaper in one hand, a dog's leash in the other. Miss Boy, I want you to go home and forget all about this. You... You mean you're going to take care of the meeting? That's right, you can leave the rest of this to us. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your help and, and your understanding. I want to thank you for coming in. That took courage. I was scared, stiff. But I, I'm glad I did. Goodbye, Mr. Garrett. Goodbye, Miss Boyd. How would you like a job, Miss Miller? A vacation? Something more to your liking. How would you like to play decoy for us? For the blackmailers, I'd love it. Yeah, I thought so. Well, where's Harrington? 
Mm, he said he'd be at the doctor's for the next hour. Call him and tell him to check in here as soon as he's through. Okay. Hi, Chick Pocket. Want me to stay in the car? That's right. Keep the engine running. Why is she there yet? Well, I can't tell with those bushes in the way. Good luck, both. It's a cinch. Miss Foy? Yes, I'm Miss Foy. I guess you know why I'm here. Yes. What do you want? Three thousand. Cash. Meet me here with her tomorrow night, same time. All right. And uh, don't bring anyone with you, understand? I understand perfectly. Okay. I'll be seeing you. There's a man, Mr. Garrett. He wants me to be here tomorrow night with $3,000. Now, that's what we want. You'll have the $3,000, all right. Mark money. The moment he accepts it, we'll grab him. got the money for you. Okay, Here. okay, but keep heading for that car. Take a look, chick. That's not Miss Foy. Get in the car, you. Get going, chick, fast. We're too late. That guy slugged her. One tail light and they're heading through the park. Let's get back to the car. Anyone behind this boat? Not right now. Well, I'm going to slow down then. No use getting picked up for speeding. How do you know this babe ain't the Foy dame? Foy came into the office, didn't she? I saw Foy. How do you like that? We've got to do something about a boat. She can identify us, testify against us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what? Well, there's a ravine in the park. I know. Try to head on it. Pull over and stop then. Douse your lights. Keep it running. Come on, you. It's late and there's no traffic. Car parked up ahead. Silver lights, get him behind. Hey, yeah. never get away with it. Oh, I think I will. Not with me. Hey. No. no, no, you don't. Come here. Now, that's enough of that. Hey, what are you... You're all through, mister. Who are you? What is he? He's got a knife. I'll take care of that. Not enough, mister. 
Yeah. Yeah, just, just let me alone. On your feet. All right. All right, head for the car. You all right, Miss Miller? I'm fine. I'm sorry I didn't get here sooner. Oh, you got here just right. Hey, this looks like a long week. I've got the other one, Chief. Good. Now we can take them both downtown where they can dictate their memoirs to a police stenographer. Get in the car, both of you. Uh, I want a lawyer. You'll get one. But don't expect too much from him. With you, he'll actually be wasting his time. Mr. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. I'm sure you read about this one in your newspapers. The people we call Bolt and Pauline were tried and convicted on counts of burglary, extortion, assault with intent to kill, and with murder in the first degree. Both are now serving long sentences for their crimes. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord. Stay tuned for Red Skelton next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the Red Skelton Show. It's a show all about buses. Hollywood, the Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton with David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGee, and Wonderful Smith, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. It's moisturized, the new, all new, Rolly 903 cigarette. Listen. That jet of fresh, pure moisture stands for the new, different, moisturized Rolly 903. New blend, new taste, new freshness. It's the new, all new, moisturized Rolly 903. It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Scalp. <laughs> Thank 
much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, did you have a nice Easter red? Uh, uh, Rod? Yes, Rod, I did. <laughs> I mean, Rod. <laughs> Were you in the Easter parade, Red? Was I? No. Well, it was colorful. They walked down Wilshire Boulevard dressed to kill. Yeah, and the California drivers did their best to help them out, too. <laughs> Say, have you been over to Clyde Beatty's Circus yet? Well, I'm a little too old for that, but I am taking my son, Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> you and that Ricky. <laughs> oh, boy. What a gag with it. This is the truth. This is the truth. Everything, anytime he wants anything, it's for his son, Ricky. Like he wanted an electric train. He said, I'm going to get that for Ricky, you know. <laughs> going to the circus, now you're going to take Ricky. I bet you can't wait till he's old enough to go to a burlesque show, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love circuses. I used to be with them. You did? Yep. I love circuses. Mm -hmm. Well, I sure enjoy those girls doing a ballet on horseback. I suppose you've done that, too, huh? Yeah, every time I go riding, I never use a saddle, though. It's right there underneath me, but I never use it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's funny. I heard you rode like you were part of the horse. I do. The party's trying to get rid of. <laughs> well, you know, circuses are really wonderful, aren't they? Huh? I say circuses are really wonderful, aren't well, they? Well, if I say no, you're really messed up, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beatty gave me a pass, you know. Well, that was nice of him. Yeah. Uh, what's nice about it? I had to carry water all afternoon. <laughs> Well, speaking of clowns, Red, weren't you the youngest clown with the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus when you were just a youngster? That's right, Rod. I was only 13 years old. I was, that was just five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I spoke with Poodles Hannaford the other day, and he said that you had absolutely the funniest clown makeup of anyone he'd ever seen. That's right, I did. Well, what'd you put on your face? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure love circuses, Rod. Did you make much money with a circus? No, race? all I was paid off with was experience and teaching. Well, what did you learn? It's better to get paid off in money. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Rod, seriously, the circus is still the most glamorous branch of show business. It's a fairyland for the young. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And childhood memories are brought back just for that day. And after this city of wonders have left your village, you look at the vacant lots where yesterday the big top and the red wagons were. And you promise yourself that you're going to stay young. So that next year you'll be able to drink the pink lemonade and eat popcorn and be awed by the magic beauty of the circus. And you say to yourself, I'm going to work hard like kids do. And I'm going to play like kids do. I'm going to accept the good in my fellow man like kids do. Because if I become prejudiced and greedy, I'll become old. And then I'll feel conspicuous when the circus comes to town. That's good, Red. Yeah, great clown said that, Rod. Who? My dad. Anita Ellis sings hard tax. Oh, heartaches, heartaches. <laughs> Just a 
face. What does it matter how my heart breaks? I should be happy with someone new, but my heart aches for you. What does it matter how my heart breaks? I should be happy with someone new, but my Skelton Scrapbook of Satire. You feel better? <laughs> Page one. <laughs> Things we never knew about buses. Tobacco Road. <laughs> well, sure, I sure like my new job driving this city bus here. I used to drive for another bus company, but they fired me. They didn't think it looked good to have a greyhound driven by a guy that looked like a quarter spaniel. <laughs> yes, sir, driving a bus would be a pretty good job if it weren't for the passengers. I'm telling you, some passengers call bus drivers things I wouldn't call a golf ball. <laughs> Well, it's about time to start my run now. Oh, here comes the passenger. Well, howdy doody there. Howdy, do you drive this bus? Well, you might call it that, but certain cab drivers I run into phrase it a little differently. Well, uh, I'd like to get an interview for my newspaper. Oh? Yes, yeah, some inside information on how buses are operating. You're not Sheila Graham, are you? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, tell me, have you ever been interviewed before? Well, if it's anything like having my distemper shot, yes. <laughs> I just want a couple of paragraphs yes. on your experiences driving a bus. Yes, uh, sir. Now, uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, Clint Cadiddlehopper. <laughs> Cadiddlehopper? Yep. <clears throat> Who were you named after? Uh, I named after my folks decided I was human. <laughs> You say you're a newspaper man? Uh, I didn't catch your name. I'm Brown from the Sun. You look pale as a ghost. <laughs> That's too fast for him. He didn't get it. <laughs> what are some of the secrets of you bus drivers? Well, we have certain rules that we live by. First, we must keep a perfect time schedule. Picking up passengers is secondary, you know. <laughs> well, uh... 
What are some of the rules that bus drivers live by? Well, we have to watch for the passengers who whistle at us in the middle of the block, see? Then we stop at the next corner. And we wait till they get about three feet from the door, then we slam it in their face and drive it. Doesn't that make a passenger angry? It helps. (laughs) Another little trick we use is on the rainy days. When it's raining, why, we never pull close to the curb. We make the passenger step in the gutter before they get on the bus. What's the reason for that? Well, the fares are so low, it's the only way we can soak them. (laughs) You're kind of stupid, aren't you? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm smart enough to know I'm ignorant. <laughs> well, what are some of the things that annoy bus drivers? Well, uh, for instance, when a passenger gives us a $10 bill, we give him all pennies and change. Why? Hmm? Why? Anybody that would give a bus driver $10 don't have much sense, but when I get through with them, they got plenty. <laughs> Another little trick we use is to be sure that when we come to the safety zone, we look for the section where the most men are standing, and we make our, our stop at that point. Why? so that the men can get the choice seats before the women. I guess chivalry is dead, eh, Mr. Cadiddlehopper? Hmm? I said chivalry is dead. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Should I send flowers, maybe? Is it true that the bus is checked before each operation? Yes, sir, especially the brakes. I can stop on a dime. How often do you do that? Every time I see a dime. (laughs) Are you drivers courteous? No, we're human like everybody else. (laughs) Are the bus drivers held responsible for their buses? Well, no. The only thing we're expected to do is, in the summertime, be sure that the windows are glued so they can't be opened. (laughs) And in the winter, be sure that they're nailed so they can't be closed. And then once a week, we are required to go down to the city dump, and we get some old fish and rubber boots and old leather and stuff like that. What for? Uh, We burn it. And then that smoke is mixed with the fumes from the exhaust pipe, and it's turned on when the bus is crowded. Well, uh, Mr. Cadiddlehopper, thank you very much. This has been a very educational interview. It has? Yes, it has. Well, I wish you'd have told me sooner I'd have paid attention. Page two, the reason why men should work in department stores. I got to get a present from my girl, and there's nobody in here but women clerks. Good afternoon. Could I wait on you? No, thanks. I'll wait for one of the men clerks. Oh, it's all right. What do you wish to see, some lingerie? Oh, what you said. (laughs) I only said lingerie. Oh, you said it again. (laughs) Oh, my, you are brazen, aren't you? (laughs) Now, don't be like that. Take your head out of that waste paper basket and tell me what you want. Oh, okay. Would you like to see something in a bathing suit? A friend of yours? (laughs) What are your girl's measurements? Well, uh... Uh, We'll go down this list. Uh Uh, Neck? If she's had a couple of beers, yeah. How tall is she? Uh, she's about my height when she's kneeling down. <laughs> See, I wish you had men clerks here. I... 
Well, I've never seen anyone so bashful. Oh, you ought to see my brother. He thinks girls are foreigners. <laughs> my brother was more bashful than me. In fact, he won a prize once for being the most bashful man in college, you know. Oh, what was the prize? Well, we don't know. He was too bashful to go up and get it. <laughs> Well, I'll bet you never even whistled at a girl. Yes, I did. I did indeed during the war. Oh, were you in uniform? I was a third lieutenant. What? They didn't have third lieutenants. They did when they saw me. Well, uh, did this girl stop when you whistled at her? Stop? She dropped dead, huh? (laughs) Look, I guess I'll have to get uh, something for my girl, won't I? Well, um... How about something like this? One? Oh, no, 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 oh, no, no. Put it down, put it down, put it down. Oh, goodness. Well, would you like something like this? Oh, no. Oh, oh, good heavens, I should have never left Boston. Stop acting so silly. Uh-oh. Come on, get up off the floor and don't put your head under the rug. It isn't healthy. Well, look, don't you have any men clerks in this store? Only in the hardware department. Well, that's where I'm going. I hope she'll like a buzz song. <laughs> David Forrester and his Rolly Cigarette Orchestra play We Could Make Such Beautiful Music.
page four, the little boy with a big bargain. Well, here I am, Joy alone. If anybody's got a weak ticker, now's your chance to check out of here. You know? <laughs> you see, now what can I do today? I'm here all alone. I know I I'm gonna call somebody on the telephone. Hello? 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 Number, please. Uh, operator, could you put down your sign long enough to get me to fire department? <laughs> Fire department. Hello, fire department. What's cooking? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> What's cooking? You wasn't there for a minute. <laughs> this is Junior. I thought I'd tell you that I got a new chemistry set, and you better keep tomorrow night open. Junior, where are you? I didn't hear. You back home already, Emma? Yes. Have you been good? Yes, I has been good. Boy, about an hour ago, I was going to bite that little Dick Thorpe across the street, you know. Little Wicked Thorpe over there? And I used my willpower, and I didn't do it. Why, that's wonderful, yeah. Junior. If he ever puts down that baseball bat, I'm going to bite his head off. <laughs> oh, what are you doing with that box of matches and pile of paper in the middle of the floor? Boy, you don't have no imagination at all, does you? Well, just for that, you don't get the bean shooter I brought home. You bought me a bean shooter? Yes. A real bean shooter? Yes. The atomic uranium model? Yes. That you send beans without reloading? Yes. You wouldn't have had one if you gave it to me. <laughs> now, them, the, you, the tricks you pull on us kids, you know. You go out and you buy us something, then, you know, like a bean shooter. And then if you, we break something, you get us a weapon. Oh, no, kiddo, I wise to you. Now, I had one of these when I was a little girl, yeah? and I never broke anything with it. Bad shot, huh? I'll show you what kind of a shot I am. Yeah. You see that pack of rollies on the table? Yeah. Well, watch this, my boy. <laughs> you let all the moisture out of it. <laughs> Goodness, feel the vapor in the place now. Goodness. Hey, look, hey, you look, though. I bet you can't hit nothing without looking. Close your eyes and do it the hard way, boy. Let's see you do that. All right, I'll do yeah. it with my eyes closed. Yeah. Give it to you. Frank Bozzetti shot there. No. Am I aiming right, Junior? No, a little more to the left. A little oh, more to the well, left. How's this? Let me see now. Yes. Whoop, bad order, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I waited a long time for an opportunity like this. <laughs> okay, let her go. Here goes. <laughs> Look at the goldfish dancing on the piano key. <laughs> Boy, that, that was a oh, good one. Well... I'd better clean this mess up. Yeah. Oh, I have a million things to do. Go see what time it is by the clock. Okay. Junior. I'm going to go see what time it is. I'm going to see what time it is. I'm going to see what time it is. And no grandfather clock. Well, Junior. Well, the widow hand is on four, and the big hand is on the widow hand. Well, that ought to be easy. What time do you think it is? Time I stop putting glue on the widow hand. <laughs> Just for that. Hmm? You can pay for the repairs on the clock out of your allowance each week. Huh? It's going to cost you two dollars. Well, that sounds reasonable. What does it mean? It means forty nickels. Forty? Let's not get hysterical, kid. <laughs> Goodness, I ain't had a cent on me since I lost me pet skunk. <laughs> I'll raise your allowance to six cents a week. Well, thanks, sporty. 
<laughs> well, you're going to pay every penny just the same. Yeah, well, you just go ahead and shoot me. I don't care. You can shoot me, and I will run away, you know. I was going to run away last week. I did. I ran away, and you didn't know nothing about it. You ran away? I got all your cookies and everything. I put in a little handkerchief, and I said, I'm going to run away. And I started out, and I went... I started out, too. <laughs> Feels kind of stupid when you talk and it's not there. It is it? right. <laughs> well, anyhow, I said, I'm going to run away. So I put my little package under my arm and I went around the block eight times. Eight times I went around the block. Finally, the policeman on the corner, he looked at me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I was running away from home. And he says to me, why does you keep going around the block? And I says, I'm not allowed to cross the street. Oh, boy, what a surprise. I didn't hear them, uh, my booby trap in the front yard go off. I wonder how... Well, now, who do you suppose that is? Well, I know it ain't Grandpa. He's still got three days to serve, you know. <laughs> I'll go see who it is. I'll go see. Welcome to Nightmare Alley. Well, hello. I'm the junk man. Well, I'm the widow guy to keep you in business. <laughs> so have you got any old newspapers or magazines or rugs or old iron or maybe old bottles? Well, I'll see. <laughs> there you it. Hmm. Now, what have you got in your other pocket? <laughs> well, you know, I got Oh, my, the junk man. Oh. Junior, go outside and play. No, I want to stay and see what you get rid of. I said outside. No, you let me stay or I'm going to hit myself in the head with this book here. Junior! Junior! Stop hitting your head with that book. You'll lose my place. Yeah. Here, use this encyclopedia. Yeah. Now get outside. No, now you let me stay here or I'm going to tell you. You'll tell what? I'll tell everybody that you used to be a wild woman with a circus. Why, I was no such thing. Oh, no. No. Hey, Werner, the crowd's gathering. Okay, lock the cage and throw me a bowl. <laughs> Oh, 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 you hit me, you hit me. You give me a cauliflower ear. You've not got a cauliflower ear. Yeah. Well, don't tell me that's lettuce. <laughs> Junior, stop being silly. No. Uh, do you have any junk, lady? Yes, I'm cleaning up the attic. You're not going to take him up in the attic where you got Grandpa chained, is you? Your grandfather is not chained in the attic. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting he's in the basement or for good behavior. This <laughs> You go outside. Oh, 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 you hit me, Dad. I did not get time. You hit me. You just like to beat me. Oh, no. come. I'll show you what I have to tell. You hurt me with a feeling. Oh, yes, ma'am. You hurt me feeling. You hurt me feeling, Namor. Namor, you hurt my feeling. <laughs> well, I guess I'm losing my old technique on her life. Oh, the phone. Oh, I get it. I'll get it. Ain't it wonderful? Radio is really wonderful. Strike or no strike, we've got telephones, you know. <laughs> Now's my chance to hook that man up in the, in the attic. I'm going up there. Hey, out there, mister. Hey, uh, do you buy violin? Why, yes. Uh, what sort of condition is it in? It's brand new. I'm going to get it Friday. <laughs> Say, look at that old trunk. I wonder what's in it. Well, I me mean, Nemo says it's the boogeyman's in there. But you know the boogeyman ain't in there, don't you? Yes, because he saw me one day and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Open it up. Open it up. Okay. Mm. Look at that. Say, ain't that something? Yes, I sure sir. would like to have that. Oh, no, no, you don't. My grandma says she wouldn't sell that for a million dollars. I'll give you a nickel for it. Well, every man has his own price, so... <laughs> Boy, am I lucky. You can't give stuff like this every day. No. So long. Hurry up, hurry. Don't let me know much. Bill, what happened to the junk man, Junior? He gave me a nickel and went away. Well, what did you sell him? Hmm? What did you sell him? Oh, I just showed him an old worn-out hundred-pound bag of sugar, was y'all. What? Oh! Nemo, get up off the floor. What's the matter, Nemo? It was only sugar. Goodness, you think I sold him a stick of bubble gum or something? We hope you liked our program well enough to be with us again next Tuesday night. So until next Tuesday, then, this is Fred Shelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening and thanks for buying Rollins. Red Skelton is brought to you by the makers of Raleigh Cigarettes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.